0: Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And as always, I am with my incredible co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Yes. And we are excited. I feel like I say this all the time, but it's true. We're always excited when we do this show because it means we get to interview another incredible woman in the Filipino American community. So I want to introduce you all to Rowan Deguia Samuels, Rowan is the lead mental health clinician for a Filipino outreach project for a county in California with the highest Filipino American population per capita and the fifth most diverse in the states. She has a private practice in California and also provides online therapy overseas with a special interest in supporting Filipino women and her family. Rowan blogs about parenting, mental health, relationships, and family around the context of the Filipino culture. She likes to show up in social media with deep intention to spread kindness through empathy and clarity. She loves spending time with her children and her husband, which is her soulmate. And fun fact about her, she created an ebook called The Five Pinoy Love Languages, which is actually free on her website and available for you today. So Filipina psychotherapist, educator, one lucky mama and wife, Rowan Deguia-Samuels. Rowan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen and Annie.
1: Thank you for that warm welcome. I appreciate it.
0: Yes. Well, it's an absolute pleasure having you on today. Offline, I was already telling you how impressed and in awe that I am with what you're doing and how your practice is focused on Filipino women specifically. And so I feel like this is an obvious question for me to ask you, but uh, why don't we start with you sharing how did you hear about the project and why did you want to be on our show today?
1: So I got a love message from Nanny. Nanny is a sweetheart from IG. And mm-hmm. so she connected with me, shared with me uh, what the podcast is about. And I'm really excited to be here because I love, like I mentioned before, we started our recording, eavesdropping, especially listening to the stories of Filipino women because we are very similar but also very different. Mm-hmm. And so one time Nani and I were texting. I was actually telling her, I am listening to your podcast while I'm actually cooking dinner for the fam. So, yeah, very honor. It's such an honor to uh, share this space with you both. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes. And, and thank, thank you. you for coming. <laughs> yes, yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you to Nani as well for reaching out to you, Rowan. And yeah, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. And I'm just excited to get into some of the topics we're going to talk about today. So, Rowan, for people that are getting to know you for the first time, you know, this show is really dedicated for individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female or she, her. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino-American woman.
1: Yeah, I actually have been in the States. I was born and raised in the Philippines, and I have. Been in the States for about 17 years. I came here when I was 23 years old, permanently. And I say that, I know this might sound a little bit confusing, but when I was 11, we started the immigration process. As you know, many of our immigrant families bring their families in chunks. Hmm. And so my mom actually took me and my sister to live with a relative. She literally shipped us. And mm-hmm. she left after two weeks, and that was actually my first time in the States when I was eleven. And the hope was that she'll bring the family in chunks, and then we'll all be here together. So I only stayed here for about a year and a half. So there was some challenge there. I lived with a relative who was so, you know, open to helping us adjust there. It's my my grandma. She was so considerate because she also lived with my aunt. She was so considerate. She was very rigid with her rules. And so that was not the primary reason why we actually returned back home, but there was a lot of other challenges as well. So we actually came back after like a year and a half. And then I finished all my schooling back home, most of my schooling, and then came back here when I was 23. And I had this hybrid experience when I was younger in middle school where I was that Filipino American and I had a very well-meaning but very traditional to my grandma, you know, style of parenting. So I had that experience and then I became the immigrant because my mom never really stayed here with me and having to really adjust and, you know, build my life here in America when I turn 23 so i've been here in the states for 17 years so yeah that's my that's my story and i'm sticking with it <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go yeah so just to clarify your grandma was essentially your primary caretaker when you were here or when you moved here yes my
1: grandma actually lived with my aunt but you know she had her own family but my grandma became my primary caretaker and I was 11 and then my sister was like nine. Yeah. So she took care of us and she was loving, but also very, uh, you know, rigid with her, with her parenting style.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you appreciate, or have you appreciated the way that she had raised you looking back?
1: (laughs) Yes. You know, um, it actually gave me a window to understand, my mom even better because I think I hear a lot of stories about what's interesting is I was born and raised in the Philippines, right? I'm thinking when I immigrated in the States that my Filipino-American peers would have a slightly different story as far as like the way they were parented. But interestingly, their mother simply sounds like my mom. And why would they be different, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that a fruit, a plant, and bring it somewhere else that it'll look different. The leaves are the, are the same. And so the experience is similar, but the place is different. So I do have that experience of, you know, the, the way the traditional Filipino parenting and the having been with my grandma allowed me to really uh, fully understand my mom's story so that I could understand her, and understanding her led me to understanding my myself mm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. i'm I'm actually kind of a little fascinated about your relationships with your grandma and your mother, considering how you know, your practice focuses particularly on Filipino women. Do you feel like your grandma and mom were a big influence into why you focus on Filipino women today?
1: Uh,
0: Certainly, directly and and,
1: and indirectly. I saw my mom is like, she's very inspiring. I, I see her, even though I might say she's quite traditional with her Filipino parenting, She seemed very progressive in in many other ways. She's a single mom. She actually raised five kids and had a business on her own. So, you know, quote-unquote, like, strong woman, and I aspire to be her. She's very generous. They truly inspire me because also my hybrid experience. I feel that I got a little experience of the Filipino-American when I was younger and then still very rooted in my island culture and trying to bridge that. And I hear in a lot of spaces that that's a conflict between our Filipino-American community is trying to bridge the gap. And in my small ways, really, I'm very passionate about thinking of ways to bridge that gap, but in a very practical language, palatable to the Filipino Years, if you will. Really very intentional and and encapsulated in kindness and compassion. That that's actually my my goal.
0: Yeah. No, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I want to check in with Nani real quick. Nani, you have any thoughts or questions?
2: Yeah, I'm well, no questions just yet, but I just want to I mean, Rowan and I have, have talked a lot, I feel like, in the last few months and I've done a lot of reading on her blog, which I, I love. And I think that you do a really amazing job at explaining that kind of that bridge or that gray area where it really takes our deepest understanding of, you know, why our mother parented us the way that they did when we were younger or grandma or whoever to be able to appreciate it and then incorporate that into your own parenting style. And I think that you do do that in a way that's really culturally congruent in a way that people can really understand. So I just want to thank you for everything that you've published so far. I really enjoy reading your writing.
1: Oh, thank you both. Yeah, I do really get the sense that you both are so genuinely interested in learning more about the culture and therefore about yourself. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for allowing us the space to share our stories.
0: Yeah, it's our absolute pleasure. And um, for myself, I feel like I'm in a safe place now in my life where I can learn about my culture. And I find that the safest and most comfortable way for me to do it is through these conversations. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, back then it was a little more difficult. I have mentioned this in like past shows, what do you call it? I grew up with an abusive upbringing within my Mm -hmm. own family, and I had kind of associated Filipino culture as abuse. And I thought, if Mm -hmm. I want to get close to it, if I want to be even associated with it, I'm asking myself to get hurt. You know, I'm asking to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And so fortunately, Mm -hmm. years later, I've come to a place where it's like, you know what, like, I'm going to be Filipino no matter what. So I'm going to have to make this work somehow. And I'm going to have to figure out how to do it my way. And fortunately, with this podcast uh, that I have... Uh, The fortune of doing um, with Nani. Uh, It's been a very transformative experience, even for me. You know, I usually come on the show just, what do you call it, like bright eyed and just open and ready to learn from the people that are going to join us because it's been nothing but a safe environment so far. Nani, would you, I I feel like you would agree. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It feels like another
0: family outside of my family.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. And I really love. I've heard your story, Jan, and really sharing that history of abuse. I'm gonna drop Mary Ann, the Filipino mom. Uh,
0: yes, you guys have interviewed yeah. her in the
1: past, and she actually have interviewed me, because she said she doesn't know a lot of Filipino therapists, and she was uh, praising me for my work. When in fact, I feel that the praise belongs to her because. She's out there and like similar to Jen, sharing the story. For me, when we talk about mental health, it's nice to have Filipino therapists. That's very important, like one who really understands culture. But to have people raise their hand and say, you know, like, I I have a story to tell, to me, that's even more commendable. That really is the one that changes Mm -hmm. the trajectory of what it truly means to be strong. I I just want to say that even though I'm like a sharing culture. I am actually a student of our culture. So I'm more of a student as much as I am a teacher. That's how I see myself. Yeah.
0: I love it. You're very humble, Rowan. (laughs) I just, I just thought you should know that. (laughs) I love it. I feel very, I feel very like safe around you and like not intimidated by your profession and everything that you're doing just because of the way you're talking to me. So, so thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I, you know, didn't become your standard like doctor or I didn't, I didn't take on like a stable job as my family would have hoped for. So I think that I've kind of grown this respect, but also feeling of intimidation by people who have actually like gone through school for a really long Mm -hmm. time to get into the field that they're in but yeah. when I talk to you, I just feel like, I just love how you say, I'm a student. Like I'm a student of our culture. I'm a student of our community. And it just, it makes me feel valid where I feel like sometimes people would hold that title as if that's like, you know, as, as if it's on a pedestal, you know, above someone else. So I just thought I should acknowledge that. And yeah, I think I'm also, what do you call it? What's the word? Like, yeah, just you make me feel safe too when you talk about like, oh, like just like with Marianne and how you feel like it's more like admirable for someone to share their story. It's like, oh, that's cool. So if I just, if I'm just myself, like that's enough. You know, if I'm just telling yeah. my story, like that's enough. So, yeah. so thank you for validating that.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, really when people think I'm doing a good job or like really for me, a reflection more of them than, than me. That's how I see it. Like when, I mean, if you're able to point out something positive, it's really you're hoping that your ability to also use self-praise on yourself and to actually get it out of your mouth to praise someone else is really a reflection of of you. That's how I I see it. Although sometimes it, it's um, easier to maybe praise someone else before we find self-praise on our own stuff but yeah thank you thank you for the acknowledgement thank you jen and nanny
0: yes we're just sharing love all around on this call today
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean i think that's what i was trying to get out earlier about reading your blog like that tone that jen is kind of sensing talking to you now for the first time is also very parent in your writing it's very present in your writing even when we're just DMing back and forth you have that effect on people I think (laughs) so you're in the right profession (laughs) yeah
1: I'm the lucky one I feel to be in alignment with you know my profession and what I really want to do and I get paid for doing it it's just uh, magical yeah it's magical
0: Uh, Love it. Well, since we're already talking about it, let's fast forward to your life today, Rowan. And I'd love for you to share what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays. Like I know you have your practice, you have a book, and you're on social media. So why don't we talk about all of those things? All right. Jen Amos here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, If you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the Philam, short for Filipino American Woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thefillanwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode.
1: <laughs> and then I'm a mom. So that keeps me busy. Yes. You know what I love is waking up in the morning and not rushing and, you know, saying good morning to my kids and actually really noticing them. Like my, I have this practice where my eyes lit up when I see my children. And so they know this practice, even though it's not like a rigid practice. It's just the way things have been. Where when I don't see them, maybe I was doing something else and they wake up in the morning, they'll tug my 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 clothes, my nightgown. They're like, Mommy, I'm awake, waiting for the spark in my eyes to show up, which it, it all it never fails. It always I always have that reserved for my kids. So my kids keep me busy and inspire me. So I'll currently I am actually in Solana County. You guys are familiar with Vallejo? That's my hood. I am, yes. Yes, that's my yes, hood yes, too. Yes. <laughs> cool. Seafood City is our grocery store. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I don't know if they have that in the East Coast, but no, my work there don't. keeps me... Yeah, I, I don't know, right? Maybe they have something else. Yeah, actually, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, Do they? Yeah.
0: I don't know, at least not in Virginia, am I aware. But I remember because I I lived in San Diego for 20 years. And yeah, we had seafood City there. But definitely there,
1: yeah. Yeah. In (laughs) California. Yeah. Yeah, So that keeps me busy. I think Nanny blogs or... Jen, do you blog?
0: Yeah, (laughs) Nanny's the blogger right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Blogging takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Like, Nanny, I don't know your experience, but... For me to yeah. create something, you know, like, it, it takes, like, yeah. So that yeah, keeps no, me I'm busy. like,
2: taking notes.
1: So I, I know.
2: Right. I'm the same way. I always have notebooks everywhere. So I'm always
1: yeah, taking notes. <laughs> to, yeah. yeah. So creating content, I actually have this workbook uh, I'm still trying to complete. it. It's called Pakiramdam, which means feelings. It's a feelings workbook for Filipino families. And it's free. It's going to be in our happiness tools library on our website. But it basically teaches parents and the child to connect with each other by talking about feelings. Yes. So I love creating content. So blogging and content that, you know, like if you were looking at a picture, the content makes you tilt your head in a different way so that, oh, I never saw that or that picture in that way before, and so allows you to explore it in a different vantage point. So I love creating content for that purpose, so that keeps me busy. You mentioned I also have a private practice, and I primarily see Filipino women and couples. So, I have, as we're recording, I'm actually in my garden studio, so I have a garden studio uh, therapy room, so that keeps me busy. I also do Presentations, so I design presentations. Because I'm a clinician within the county, and I'm the clinician for the Filipino project there, I do presentations to help non-Filipino clinicians to sort of like understand the Filipino culture. So so yeah, that keeps me busy being a wife, a mom, creating content, private practice.
0: Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, how did you come up with the the garden as a way, as a form of therapy? Actually, so it's located in the back of my
1: house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I created this hub and it's separate from my home and the entrance is separate. Part of the work is to, in the counties, reducing, you know, stigma, which means the definition of what strong actually means in our culture. Before I was faced with, because the discipline of Therapy teaches you to have like boundaries. And I thought, you know what? I am part of this movement to reduce stigma. And the separation between client and therapist, it doesn't have to be so wide. Especially, I'm serving my community, my Filipino women and her families. I believe in, I, I was questioning myself before, oh, am I really reducing the stigma? And me challenging myself as a clinician. I thought I will bring it closer to home. It's still very separate. Like, you know, I, cause protecting my clients' confidentiality is a serious business to me, so it's separate, but it's really close to home, if, if you will. I wanted to give a space where it's not sterile. Therapy just feels like going to visit a friend type of thing, and so I took it seriously by bringing it close to home, yeah.
0: Wow. I think that that's beautiful. I mean, I've only gone to less than a handful of therapy sessions myself earlier this year, but I definitely felt that separation between my therapist and I, that distance. And it was partly why I just didn't want to go back. I I still plan Mm -hmm. on exploring it again, but I'm not in a rush because doing a podcast show like this is very therapeutic for me. And I get get to share my stuff on here. So it's like, okay, well, if I'm already like talking to people and they're giving me feedback, that's kind of good therapy for me. (laughs) <laughs> but I I just love the whole idea. This just kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier of how just how humble and considerate and compassionate you are to go out of your way to create this garden so that when your clients see you it's not like a client, you know, therapist it, it's not like what you typically think of when you go see your therapist. It's it's like going to meet a friend like you said, and I just think that's really awesome. I I want to like visit your garden now. <laughs> I'll yeah, take photos.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> so all have a
0: yeah, room. <laughs> yeah, you can because Nanny's from
1: yeah, just around here. So yeah. um, I'm still um, creating it, bu- building it some more. But I'll take photos and yeah, maybe I can uh, post it on Instagram, share that. But I love the space. Even for me, my practice is really like I hone everything and tailor everything with the Filipino women in mind, so even the traditional therapy of talk therapy—not that I obviously don't do that, because you know we have to talk about things—that's very healing as well. But I infuse different, you know, techniques, thinking of the Filipino woman, you know. Mm. Yeah,
0: I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Rowan, you were talking about how you made this book, Feelings for Filipino Families, and uh, I want to share a little bit about my background. My mom she became a single parent when i was 10 years old we unexpectedly had lost my dad and i feel mm-hmm. like my mom she was emotionally neglectful from my perspective you know and mm-hmm. i understand now why why she was that way because she had to raise you know three kids under 11 on her own but even to this day we have a pretty good relationship now i feel like i can kind of just speak my mind around her or whatever but when it comes to talking about feelings i feel like you know, my mom's very task oriented, you know, her love language, if we're talking about love language, mm-hmm. you know, she's acts of service, you know, she's, she's not necessarily what do you call it? My mother-in-law described it this way. There's two types of people in the world. There are pointers and there are painters. So painters are like people who are narrative, who can, who can really articulate like what they're saying, you know, they can like draw, mm-hmm. draw like a, a descriptive, you know, beautifully visual picture where a pointer is kind of like you're just kind of pointing your brush, you know, someone that's very direct and to the point. Mm-hmm. So my mom is what I consider a pointer. You know, she's just very to the point, very mm-hmm. blunt. She'll say anything like on her mind that's just, yeah, there's no, what do you call it? She doesn't like filter. flower. Yeah, she doesn't filter. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So I'm just curious, like I, I'm a very emotional person and and she's essentially the opposite. How do you bridge that gap? How do you start that conversation? Like in my, if for me, how would I start that conversation with my mom to talk about feelings? Does that make sense?
1: Hmm. Okay. Now I'm right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and a little, a little more background. My mom. Maybe this yeah. will help. Like my mom, she's an immigrant. You know, she, she married my dad, and he joined the the navy, and so I was born you know, in Japan on American soil as an American. So, you know, I'm very Americanized. I'm quite outspoken. And my mom, she's, you know, really reserved and kind of what I describe often can really fill in that Maria Clara archetype of, you know, being the matriarch of the family and being supportive mm-hmm. and putting other people first, you know. So if I try to talk to her and ask her what she wants to do, you know, like, what, what do you like? What do you like? Well, how do you feel? It's it's a very hard conversation to have because I, I just feel like she doesn't think that way. I think she th- you know she's always first to think about the family first then to think about herself. And mm-hmm. so, how do I? Is that does that make sense so far? Like Nani, am yeah. I making sense?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, you make sense. Um, Yeah. Rather than giving a like uh, prescription of dialer, I think to put like context, like what I mentioned about. Me having this window of having this experience with my grandma, and it helped me explain my interaction with my mom. I I know that we're going to maybe talk briefly about the Filipino love languages, but one of the things that might be helpful is to really learn that we were equipped differently, or, you know, like, say, in, in the Philippines, right? Here, when you send children to school, when somebody cries, you say, oh, you know, you ask about their feelings, like, oh, you know, you notice know you're crying, somebody hit you, how does that make you feel, that type of language, and something that is what we're used to here, but in the Philippines, we, in the islands, we don't really talk about these things we don't ask our children or not used to asking our children how are you feeling today. The demonstration of love is very different. And and so bridging those is really understanding may I share I I love Moana, right? Yes. May I use that as a reference? I love that this movie. But anyway, the father kept telling (laughs) The, the father kept telling Moana, do not go past the reef, right? Mm-hmm. Because the father has already built this island that already is the greener pasture island. And why would you want to explore, right? Stay here, it's safe. And maybe I'm not answering your communication, but, but just I'm using it as a, a reference. Um, and so Moana continued to explore. But she had this quest of really trying to understand. So she learned the history, right? Oh, that's why they don't uh, traverse the ocean anymore, or didn't want me to go past the reef because of the history, the danger, the perils out there. And so knowledge of the history is gives us understanding, and with understanding, we can give, provide kindness in that interaction. And it goes both ways, not just the, let's say in your example, your mom, you just understanding your, your mom. Am I making sense here? Maybe we need to scratch that. I I,
0: like I I, yeah, I hear you. Um, essentially, you know, part, part of what I'm sharing, it's not because I'm speaking out of like angst or resentment yeah, with my yeah. mom in any way. It's because I had learned. Her history. I learned her. I learned when I learned about her upbringing and learned what she went through and understood the sacrifices she had to make, um, especially after we lost my dad. I was able to realize, like, you know, my mom was already doing so much for me. And the fact that I was placing this one expectation of her to like ask me about my feelings um, was completely selfish of me because because she was already doing so much. And and I didn't want to look at that because I wanted her to ask me how I was feeling, you know? And so yeah. when I have that context, it's like, okay, like my mom did her part and, and I'm going to do my part now by, you know, trying to seek out like that, you know, if I do need to talk about my feelings, it's okay if it's not with her because she's already done so many things. I just need to find my own outlet for that, you know? And I think, I feel like that's what I'm getting from what you're saying is like, if we know why Moana's dad the reason why he acted that way is because of his own history. He was traumatized, you know, not to spoil Mm -hmm. the movie for anyone. So I won't get too much into details, but you know, there's a reason why, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't want to go like past the reef. So I, I, that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. And it it answers my question. Yeah.
1: And I didn't want to give a prescription that a dialogue that someone, a listener might use. And then because we don't have enough information about them and they're like, Oh, that, didn't work out. So I, I was trying to be responsible with my response, if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'm trying I, yeah. to use stories instead. And, and yeah. then one of the things, really, that's a difference um, in, in just making sure, you know, in the islands, there's a lot of other teachers. So, for instance, uh, we made use, let's say a mom might use silent treatment because she's upset. She might actually commission an auntie, a a tita friend to talk to let's say the teen and she actually feeds that information to the third person so that she doesn't have to directly tell that child what she needs. I know it sounds so complicated um, but instead the third person would feed that information to the child so the child goes to the mother directly. It makes relationships much more complicated because we solicit that third person in the islands though i see that there's some fluidity with that and because the society sort of understands that better not that it's good i think we need to certainly improve with with our direct communication but it's something that the community hugs like oh your mother's just feeling this way there's a lot of interpret you know what she really loves you that's why she's doing that what I find that in America, because the norm is to just say what you mean and mean what you say, and not one is better than the other, there's a lot of confusion, right? There's See, this child, is this teen is confused, like mom is just angry and she looks like she needs space. And then she gets mad when I actually don't. Now we're going to go to the first uh, Pinoy love language, is which is You know, you can either solicit or give affection. And so what she needed was lambing, but she's not saying it directly. Instead, in the islands, a third person would say that to the child. Oh, you know what? Do this to your mom. She really loves you. She worked so hard. She was just tired, but she really loves you. Just tell her. And if she keeps ignoring you, just keep telling her, Mom, I know this happened. I'm sorry. That's not what I mean. In America, we don't have teachers, and we just leave the teen, you know, mm-hmm. trying to recognize these nonverbal yeah. cues. Yeah, figure it's so right. confusing, and honestly, from the shoes of one that was, you know, rooted in the states, it's almost unfair. Like it's like reading a book you weren't, you know, taught to read. So so yeah, that's a pain point that I really. Hope to bring some, just some clarity and in both ways by doing the feelings workbook that I'm talking about. It almost seems like you're teaching your child, but I'm also giving the parent a positive experience of what they would get if the child expressed their feelings to them. And in fact, why it's different, it's really for the Filipino women, is because there's even a page there where the mom, or if you are an auntie, shares their feelings. So it's Mm -hmm. not just the child. So there's that connection there.
0: So speaking of love love languages, Rowan, why don't we just dive into it and talk about the other four love languages? Um, What's the next one that you want to share with us today? Hey, everyone. Jen Amos here taking a quick break in between our interviews, as I always do, uh, to actually talk about a new resource that I have personally been using for a couple of weeks now called Seven Cups. I want to give a shout out to Asia Hilario, who shared this resource in episode 29. So check it out. We live in a world where you can be surrounded by people, but still feel lonely with nobody to turn to when things get rough. But being heard is an important part of being human. Psychologist Glenn Mariotti, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, (laughs) saw that there was great power in listening, but he knew not everyone had someone to talk to. He started to wonder, how can I make being heard a reality for everyone? And that's why Seven Cups was born. Thanks to thousands of volunteer listeners, including myself, stepping up to lend a friendly ear, Seven Cups is happy to say, we're here for you. No matter who you are or what you're going through, this is a place where you'll be heard and cared for. We might be strangers on the surface, but underneath, we're just the friends you haven't met yet. 7 Cups has trained volunteer listeners available 24-7 to give emotional support over online chat. It's anonymous and, get this, completely free. When you need someone to talk to, we're here to listen and help you feel better. Learn more about 7 Cups today by visiting 7cups.com or, as always, you can check out the show notes for the link.
1: Okay, so I shared Lumbang, but... There's so many other love languages, but the second one that I have in my ebook is called Haplos, and so it's easily translated as just touch. But you know, um, in the Filipino culture, you know, touch is beyond just you know stroking. Like we remember the love language of our moms, like maybe using Vicks. You know, mm-hmm. and then even though we don't hear them utter the words I love you that often, it is really the touch that they pat your head when you did a good job and they kinda like shampoo your head. It is their way of saying, Good job, I'm very proud of you, even if they have a hard time saying it. Or they put their hands on your lap. Or when you're crying, they put their hands a little longer on your on your back or on your shoulder, saying, I'm here. And the difficulty, or you know, they're still learning to find the words to say, I hear you, my child. But that's one of the Pinoy love language is haplos. The third one is kiliti, which is really when you're trying to tickle someone. And there is this concept in Tagalog, which means to catch someone's fancy or what tickles them. And so, um, sometimes because we don't, and we're talking about the more, uh, you know, traditional way of expressing, we might not express it through verbal communication, but we catch their kilite, what, what they like. So, maybe it's bringing food or like cooking or, you know, whatever catches someone's kilite. Or like what makes them tickled, uh, mm. so that's one of the Pinoy love language, and and the book really talks more about that language in depth. And then pasalubong, so you know, um, something that you take with you. Like sometimes we have balikbayan boxes, right? So the pasalubong, or if you were pasalubing something, you take home with you, whether it's a food or or whatnot. Pasaluboing is a Filipino love language because it is this object permanence that even if I didn't see I'm working so hard, I'm a nurse, I have a couple of like, ships I have to work, the pasalubong tells you, even without, I, you are not in my sight, I was thinking about you. And so when the parent, a nurse, comes home and they have a pasalubong it is that object permanence that, that connects them. Even when I'm working hard, I was thinking about you. So that's uh, one of the Pinoy love language. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, because means to just utter. So in the Pinoy love language, I'm also trying to share that there is something with, you know, just saying it, practicing, I care about you. If we cannot say I love you, that's okay. Certainly, we have been saying it in other ways. with the, the other Pinoy love languages but I do encourage others to say that I just care or I see you I hear you so because it's just saying it you know or saying what you mean so so those are the few uh, Pinoy love languages and I do have on the ebook the Pinoy love language solution so if you have like could not interpret your mom's lambing they're trying to solicit what would you do? The dialogues that you can possibly use. So I've included that in the ebook, which is free. So beautiful. Yeah. So those are yeah.
0: Can you give a recap one more time of the five love languages? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the first one is lembeng. Okay, so that's when you um, are soliciting or asking or giving, or it could be acting strange to get affection. And then the second one is applause, which is in the English language, just means touch. But as I break down in the ebook, it's a little bit more than that for Filipino love language. Um, kilite is like to give this tickle feeling or catching someone's, um, fancy or what makes them happy or tickles them. So kilite. And then pasalubong. Is the, the something you take home, whether back to the islands or from work to people that you love. And it communicates this object permanence that I was away working, but I thought I, I was thinking about you. And then the last one in the ebook is because. It's the simply author. I care about you. Uh, you are needed. Mm. So those are the five Pinoy love languages. Yeah.
0: I think right now in my life, I'm the last one. Like, I just like to, I like to hear it. I like to be to hear, I like someone to yeah. tell me that like i'm that I'm loved and cared for nani did you did you think of your love language?
2: <laughs> um, I think that I'm all of them still, but I do just want to say, Roanne, thank you for that breakdown because I think that you kind of touched on a point earlier when you said or highlighted that not only is it important for us to understand why our parents parented us the way that they did but it's also important even if we have to get a third party involved for Mm -hmm. them to understand how we view their actions and decisions as well in order for the relationship to change because if it's just Mm -hmm. us understanding and sorry this is kind of going back to Jen your question about how to communicate that with your mom if it's just us understanding them and coming to a new place in our own minds we can only still control our actions. So that's not going to change mm-hmm. anything. We still can't expect for anything on their end. Am I making sense? <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. we can't expect yeah, yeah, for anything yeah. On their end to change if that communication doesn't go both ways. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely.
2: So, yeah. And then about the love languages, I think that those are also really important, all of them to understand, because while you might identify with one, Your mom or your husband, or whoever it is that you're using them to communicate with, might um, express themselves or like to receive love in a different way. And if you don't understand that, it's always going to be hard to communicate with each other. So, yeah, I I appreciate you breaking that down. (laughs) Yes. Thank you.
0: I I definitely want to download that ebook and study it more because that gives me a better understanding of how my family expresses love so thank you so much oh you're most welcome yes well we are <laughs> at my uh most favorite part of the show i mean everything is my favorite but we are at the final question of the show and you know the, really the purpose of this project is to share life lessons and stories told by filipino american women so rowan your life lesson today is that stories can bring forth healing, but also harm. Um, the stories we tell ourselves are the realities we pull from in any relationships we currently hold and will form. And the most powerful thing about stories is that they can be retold and rescripted. I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit more and uh, mainly share a story in your life that led you to this life lesson.
1: Uh, yeah. Um- especially in our Filipino culture, we're very collective. And so there's a lot of passed down stories, and that's wonderful. Sometimes we hear stories so much, we think it be, the story belongs to us, uh, that that is our story, when in fact it's a story that belongs to someone else, but they are just sharing their story. Stories really are what is the framework we operate from, like, um, so in in therapy, and it doesn't have to be in therapy, but that would be my context. Ultimately, it's really rescripting stories that fit your vision of how you want your story to be. So one of the things that I feel that can change this trajectory for us is the way we parent our children to allow them to express, you know, to ask them questions, to be curious about their space. And when we ask them to not have an agenda of how they should respond so that they in themselves would find ways to be creative, use their imagination so they can soar and find their own voice and and story. So, I mean, my story is you know, just learning from my own history. So, I belong to a multiracial family. So, I, we have, as you know, many Filipinos, a mixture of different ancestry. But I have a sister very European looking features. And so, when I was growing up, people would mention, Oh, Rowan, she, she, she's pretty. And then my mom would say, Wait till you see my other daughter. So I grew up with that type of narrative, Mm. but, um, and there's a lot of like complexity around that wanting to love your parent, but the parent that actually also unconsciously made me feel that I wasn't enough. And Mm -hmm. in my searching of wanting to continue to love my mom and see her in this light, I Actually, not only was so focused on my own story and hers, but learned of my grandmother 's story and understood that she 's actually doing so much better already from where her roots where she came from, and having understanding and and ultimately compassion for her own story led me to understand you know where she was coming from. And also, knowing that I can rescript my story, so that's my message because we now have the social media platform where everybody is a storyteller to be very intent when we share stories, because we might think and absorb that their story is ours when we can actually rescript recreate our own story, if that makes sense, yeah,
0: yeah, no, it absolutely does i I think the thing that resonated with me the most is really when you said that when people are telling their stories, sometimes we take it as our own story. And like, for example, at Christmas, when one day my grandma was like, Jen, why do you look so different? And my mom says, oh, because she got fat. You know, it's like that was that that story stuck with me. But looking back, I just thought, just just real briefly, looking back, I thought, oh, my mom is telling, you know, she told me the story of like her standard of beauty. You know, that wasn't about me. That was her story of what she considered beautiful, you know, and, and being able to separate that and realize that she wasn't really talking about me, but her own story of. Perception. I said that like three times, but that's how I understand what you're saying. Oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think it's a good way to create healthy boundaries for yourself when you're listening to other people uh, talking to you or, or even talking about you. Right, right. Yeah. And
1: and there's this movement to be genuine when you're posting or blogging or whatever, and that's wonderful. But we you can also be genuine and responsible at the same time. So yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. How it serves a greater purpose? Yeah. Yeah, so I believe in that.
0: Well, Rowan, I had such an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you today, Nani. I want to see if you had any thoughts as well for Rowan before we wrap up here.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I do just want to touch on or point out the fact that I love the way that you use your social media, and when you say you show up with the intent to spread kindness and and things like that, I think that that's something more people should should try to acknowledge and embrace. Um because I, I learned so much from your page, from pages like yours Aww. or like Clarice's. I have like yeah. my own folder in, in my notes for your guys' is, from things that I learned from the <laughs> page. So I do really appreciate that
0: content that you put
2: out.
1: Thank you. Yes. Thank you.
0: Yes. And Rowan, I'm sure at this point, people are wondering, where is she posting all this stuff? Why don't you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you or or how they can find your content online?
1: Yeah, on IG, I am Kalamansi Juice for you. Kalamansi is with a K. And then you can also check me out on my website, www.kalamansi, with a K again, juice.com.
0: Beautiful. And uh in case you don't know how to spell Kalaman C listeners, don't worry, because I wouldn't have known how to spell it. But it'll be provided (laughs) (laughs) it'll be provided in the show notes for you. Um so go ahead and check that out. Um you all know I work really hard on those show notes, so at least humor me and take a look at them. With that said, Rowan, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and just your presence and energy. I love how compassionate and empathetic and articulate you are uh with just this conversation today. And thank you for creating the five Pinoy love languages. I am very much looking forward to downloading that on your website so I can learn more for myself. So with that said, thank you all so much. And obviously, uh, Nani, thank you for being my co-host as always. To our listeners, we appreciate you. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.
2: Love and thank you all. Thank you,
1: Rowan. Bye. Maraming salamat sa uulitin, which means until next time.